Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to the Drop Pass Podcast. The Notorious 69th episode is upon us and last week ended up being a bye week as some of you may have noticed. But this week we are back at it as I said and we will kick things off by going over the major headlines from the past couple of weeks. Including some signings, playoff berths and a few other notable topics. While the main focus of this week's episode is going to be on the top prospects as we do another rundown of the best performers from each league around the world. And since the teams are starting to close down the 82-game mark, the playoff hype is starting to grow around the league. And as custom, I'll be uploading my playoff preview right at the helm of the postseason, so you can expect to see that episode in the next coming weeks. But with that being said, I think we are ready to head into our this week's episode, so if you happen to stop by every now and again or every week, which is very much appreciated, go leave a 5-star rating for the podcast so that others can also find your hockey source from the internet as well. And while we're at it, drop a follow on the show's IG page at the drop underscore pass. Because I've started to upload NHL news in there just recently with graphics created by yours truly. So go check them out and drop a follow if you want to stay in touch with league news while waiting for new episodes. But now let's fire up the intro and get this thing rolling. So without further ado, let's get going. And here we go for the 69th time. And if you are waiting to hear some 69 jokes, brother, you are sadly mistaken because I'm not going to go there despite the opportunity. But your mom is. And that will be the one and only featured in this episode. So I digress. And please don't take it personally, bud. So today's main topic will surround the top performing prospects around the globe. Because like I said, during the fall season, we were going to round back to this topic at a later date to check if those guys have been able to keep up their scoring. And now it's a perfect time to do that since the playoffs are already underway in most junior leagues except for the USHL. So I think it would be a perfect time to check on those young bucks and debrief their regular seasons before another offseason rolls upon us. But... Before we head there, we have to just quickly glance over a few headlines that were featured within the past two weeks, which concern NHL's playoff race, some entry-level deals, plus a few other miscellaneous news from the National League. So first, let's start from the playoff race, since currently eight teams have already secured their spots in the postseason, and those are the President's Trophy winner, Boston Bruins, Carolina Hurricanes, New Jersey Devils, Toronto Maple Leafs, New York Rangers, Vegas Golden Knights, Tampa Bay Lightning, and most recently, the Edmonton Oilers. While on the flip side, Hawks currently have the best odds for the Connor Bedard lottery, closely followed by the Sharks and the Blue Jackets, while the other teams already eliminated from the postseason are the Ducks, Yotes, Canadians, and the Philadelphia Flyers. 
the West is still fairly wide open as pretty much eight teams are still battling away for the remaining six spots and the overall wildcard race this year will be an absolute war by the looks of it because the differences are very marginal and placements shift pretty much on nightly basis so we are going to see a major battle within the last remaining six or so games of the regular season. In other news, the Avs resigned their cup-winning head coach Jared Bednar for the next three years, which shouldn't surprise anyone given his success in the Mile High City. Meanwhile, the major entry-level deals since our last update have gone to Minnesota's 2019 sixth-round pick Nikita Nesterenko, who was dealt to Anaheim in the John Klingberg trade and who already scored his first NHL goal for the Ducks. Toronto's collegiate stud Ryan Twerberg was signed to his three-year ELC. Arizona's Josh Doan also earned his three-year sheet. Buffalo's top goalie prospect Devon Levi was finally into his entry-level contract and already took a debut win for the Sabres a couple nights ago against the Rangers. Their fifth-round selection Brett Bedard plus third-round pick Bryce McConnell-Barker got their paychecks as well. Ottawa's second-round pick Tyler Cleveland was added to their official roster. Chicago's second-round selection Paul Ludwinski San Jose's newly acquired defensive prospect Henry Thrun, Montreal's NCAA phenom Sean Farrell, Calgary's first and third round picks Matt Coronado and William Stremgren, Phillies Blue Line prospect Emil Andre, plus three Red Wings prospects Blue Liners Antti Tuomisto and William Wallinder, plus forward prospect Carter Mazur were added to their NHL squads. In addition to those guys, Boston signed their third rounder. Trevor Kentar, Dallas inked their undersized sixth-round pick Matthew Seminoff, Montreal signed their goalie prospect Jakub Dobes, and finally, New Jersey signed their sixth-round pick Josh Philman to entry-level deals. So there was a lot of action on that front, and I guess the only people who that info came as a surprise is the crowd who aren't exactly educated on this topic, but I'm more than sure that you are not one of those people. And just so that all the contract talk wouldn't end there, I also have to mention two contract extensions that were signed last week, which went to San Jose's Nikolai Knizov and Rangers Czech centerman Philip Hedel. Knizov was inked to a one-year 1.25 AAV deal and has missed most of the season due to a torn Achilles. Meanwhile, the young centerman Hedel earned a four-year 4.437 million AAV deal from the Rangers. And I gotta say that that Heedle extension was a big deal because they still have to sign K. Andre Miller a check if they aim to keep him beyond this year. And when you see that Heedle has crushed his previous single season point record by 20 or so points in pretty much the same amount of games, you gotta see this deal as a steal for the Rangers since. He has just gotten better and better within the past two years. And oh yeah, I almost forgot Alexis Lafreniere is still unsigned beyond this year, so their offseason could be pretty interesting if they start to look around the league for what they could get for his services, but yet again, he has kept improving his game ever since arriving in New York, so I would guess that they won't let go of him that easily and try to sign him to a similar contract to what Kapokakko got just last summer. But those were the deals that were signed within the past two weeks and 
Of course, I left out few ELC deals that were more minor, but if you want to check out the full coverage regarding the ELCs, go to capfriendly.com and see for yourself which names have claimed their first checks from the NHL this spring. And I want to point out that this was not paid ad. Just wanted to shout them out because they are one of the best in the business. Also, Connor McJesus just broke the record for most points in a single season in the cap era when he passed the 129-point mark and is going to reach 150 points if nothing drastic happens. And as the last few news pieces of the week, I have to give shout-outs to Lane Hudson, 2024 eligible prospect Cole Iserman, and Buffalo's new tendy Devon Levi because of the milestones that they broke this year. Iserman ended up breaking the U-17 USNTDP goal-scoring record of 56 last week, which was previously held by the Habs forward Cole Caulfield. And by the way, Iserman reached this feat in just 52 games, so pretty much the 2024 draft is becoming a three-headed monster between Iserman, Celebrini, and Kiviharu, but luckily that event is still quite a ways away. But it is still worth noting that the 2024 draft class is about to feature some big names if you believe that the level was going to drop off drastically after this summer. And finally, as I said, Abs Blue Line prospect Lane Hudson also ended up breaking records last week as he became the top scoring U19 defenseman in the entire NCAA history. He passed the legendary defenseman Brian Leach's 47-point record in a game against the Western Michigan University. And if you weren't impressed already, I want to point out the fact that nobody had passed the 47-point mark in 35 years. So it's a pretty big accomplishment. And like I said in last year's draft episode, I loved that the Habs ended up picking him and it's more and more starting to look like his size doesn't end up being his downfall due to his great skating and puck handling abilities. And if he keeps up his level, the Habs will have another difference maker for their blue line, which already holds upcoming names such as Baron, Gooley, Harris, Mayu, Struble, and Angstrom. So it is starting to look pretty good on that front, if I may say so myself. And lastly, when it comes to Devon Levi, it is just amazing what this undersized blue paint protector has been able to do, taking into account that he was drafted in the seventh round back in 2020. And what else could describe his collegiate career better than posting the second highest save percentage in the entire NCAA history of .933 in 66 games? That is absolutely ridiculous when you check out what kind of players he's facing on nightly basis. And it seems that he isn't slowing down one bit either. Because in his NHL debut, he posted impressive .939 save percentage and made a game saver to secure the win for the Sabres. So I think that their equipment team has already started polishing the starting netminder crown. Because if this will be the level going forward, He's pretty soon going to be up there with the Sesterkins, Vasilevskis, and Saros of the world battling away for the Vesna trophy. 
And although it's a high price for a guy that has only played one game in the NHL, his track record is solid enough to accomplish that if his size doesn't end up affecting his future. But as we've seen, Jose Saros has already been able to counter that argument. So therefore, I have a firm belief in his skills and expect to see him becoming one of the best goaltenders in the league in a few years once he gets adjusted to the NHL tempo. But now, it is time to head to our prospect coverage, and just like last time, I'm going to be pointing out the big names from each league, so if someone didn't get mentioned in this episode, the most likely cause for that is that there really wasn't anything special to be reported, or if I happen to miss one or two names, please point them out to me, because once again, there were a lot of names to go through, and I tried to be as specific as possible, so help man out and point out names if you happen to notice any missing. And by the way, this time I'm going to mostly leave out the draft eligible prospects because we already got a lot of names to go through and I'm going to make a sole episode focusing on the upcoming draft class so those names most likely will be featured once we cross that bridge. And also, I'm going to leave out the NHL as well as the AHL prospects because those I'm going to cover in another episode, but that is pretty much it. Before we move forward, we have to hear a few words from our show sponsor, but after that, we will jump straight into the action and begin the walkthrough from the European continent since there weren't as many prospects to go through as in North America, but now, few words from DraftKings before we head to our main topic of this week's episode. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway. And the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, here we go. We will start the process from Finland and more specifically the U20 League, where the four really notable names are Neswalspik, Kasper Kulonummi, Calgary's Topi Rönni, and Buffalo's forward prospect Viljami Marjala plus goalie prospect Kolonumi had a tremendous season in the U20 league and finished the year as the second highest scoring defenseman in the league, 
with almost 1.2 points per game average. He also got few games under his belt with the big boys, but for the most part, due to their stacked team, he spent the majority of the year with the juniors. But after this season, it is very likely that he gets his chance up top or at least gets to a team that has space for him on the top level. Calgary's Toperani, though, dressed in 20 games for their first squad and recorded two goals and three assists in those, but once the playoffs rolled around, he was sent back to the juniors, where he has absolutely dominated by putting up 13 points in eight games and is currently the leading scorer in the entire league in the playoffs. Pretty much same rules applied to Buffalo's William Marella, who played in 15 games up top and was able to record nine points during that stint. Meanwhile, in the U20 level, he was unstoppable by putting up 51 points in the span of 32 regular season games. So, once the next season rolls around, we can expect to see his name with the big boys. But when it comes to our last NHL representative, Topias Leinonen, the story isn't totally in line with the rest of the name since his numbers took a big hit this year on every level he played with under 0.890 save percentages across the three Finnish top leagues. But like I've said, goalies tend to be very hard to project and thus I'm not going to draw any conclusions from this year's numbers and just wait to see if he's able to improve those numbers after somewhat of a horrific year between the pipes. In Mestis, we only have few names to go through. First, we got Philly's second-round selection, Samu Tuomala, who was outstanding in the Finnish second tier by posting 48 points on the scoreboard in 31 games and thus was the top point-getter amongst the NHL-drafted names. Pittsburgh's DM prospect Sandari Airola also had a prolific year with 22 points from 28 games, and same goes with Florida's forward prospect Jakub Kosh, who registered 19 points in 24 games. And lastly, we have Seattle's goalie prospect Niklas Kokko, who got few games under his belt with the big boys at the end of the year, and an average save percentage of .902 tells you that he could be looking for the starting netminder job in the upcoming U20 World Championships next winner. Also, I have to give a shout-out to our guest Alex Garden because he finished the season as the fourth-highest scoring defenseman in the league, with 46 points from 44 games, so a great first year overseas for our Canadian representative as well. In the first year, though, we saw a lot of improvements and the top names that really jump out are Yotes prospect Akuratu, newly acquired Oles prospect Patrick Puistola, Bruins pick Matthias Mantukivi, Kings pick Aatu Jämseen, Bolt selection Niko Huhtanen, Leafs pick Ronnie Hirvonen plus Kings pick Ville Koivonen and Habs prospect Oliver Kapanen. The Englishman Liam Kirk had a tremendous stint with Jukurit as well, and a 19-point total from 25 games isn't anything to be ashamed of from his first year across the big pond. Ratu led the prospect group with 42 dots from 53 games, and to be quite honest, I wasn't expecting this kind of offensive surge from him despite the scenery change. Puistola also improved his single-season point record to 40 points, which was pleasant to see. Same thing goes with Boston's forward prospect Matthias Mandukivi, who ended up racking a 33-point total from 60 games and is currently on fire in the playoffs. Meanwhile, Jamsen and Huhtanen passed the 30-point mark, and Hirvonen, Koivunen and Kapanen finished the year with plus 25 points to their names. 
Only major laydown in my papers was stopping the MLS point decrease from last year, which probably is somewhat concerning for more than just me, but given his great success in recent years, I'm still a firm believer in his NHL upside and thus won't panic about this year too much, although it has to be said that it is somewhat surprising to say the least. In addition to these guys, Seattle's Jani Nyman showcased its offensive talents this year and ended the season with 14 points from 29 contests. Alexi Heimos Almis game took another step onwards in Pori, although his this year's point total of 15 from 45 games wouldn't necessarily scream that, while defensemen Leo Luv, Topias Villen and Antti Tuomisto were integral parts of their defensive course, so small shoutouts go to those guys as well. Goalie-wise, Ottawa's goalie prospect Levi Merilainen was the clear-cut standout with 0.918 save percentage and 2.02 goals against average from 42 games. Meanwhile, his teammate Joel Blomqvist and Devils prospect Jakub Malek both posted above 0.900 save percentages, so decent seasons for those two young netminders as well. Also, our previous guests Colby Sissons and Ian McCaushin both finished in the top 10 in demon scoring this year. Seasons with 32 points from 54 games, and McCaution with 28 in 59. But unfortunately, both of their teams were already eliminated from the postseason. But regardless, successful campaigns individually for both guys. And therefore, I want to give shoutouts to both of those gentlemen. Then we head to Sweden, where the first on the board is going to be the J20 National where we got a handful of names that had impressive seasons. And most of these guys were already mentioned in the previous episodes, so as a collective, it can be said that the junior level was as easy for most of these names as it was for a few guys on the Finnish soil. Bruins Latvian pick Dan Slokmelis ended the year as the top drafted scorer with 59 point total from 44 games. Meanwhile, Ottawa's Oscar Pedersen Buffalo's Gustav Carlson and Joel Ratkovic Berenson, Winnipeg's Fabian Wagner, plus Carolina's DM prospect Simon Forsmark all reached the 30 point mark and ended the year as the top six in scoring when it comes to NHL prospects. San Jose's 2021 sixth round pick Theo Jakobson was also impressive this year by putting up 29 dots in 17 games for Moodoo's U20 team while also suiting up for their men's team in 45 games and by putting up 11 points in the process. From the blue paint, the top name ended up being Ottawa's fifth-round selection Kevin Riedler, who posted above .910 save percentage in 32 games and could look to make their first team next year once the next season rolls around. But pretty much everyone else played most of the season either in the Allsvenskan or in the SHL, so that's why they were left out, and just as a heads-up, most of the guys were close to point-per-game pace in the J20, so needless to say that they didn't stay there for too long, as I probably mentioned in the previous breakdown episode. Moving on to Alsvenskan, where New Jersey's 2019 7th-round pick Nikola Pasic capped off a tremendous year offensively by putting up 52 points in 51 games and finished the season as the fourth highest scorer in the entire league. The jury is still very much out there concerning his NHL upside, but certainly his numbers can't just be overlooked. And behind him, we have very familiar names such as Buffalo's Noah Oeslund, Carolina's Sion Newbeck, 
Minnesota's Liam Ögren, and Detroit's Theo Niederbach, who all were above or at least very, very close to a half a point per game mark. And mind you, we are talking about a good professional league here. These names shouldn't surprise many of you since all of them were mentioned in the fall episode. But back then, one of my main concerns was that if Niederbach could get his points up after a somewhat underwhelming start plus a bad previous season. But to my delight, he was able to notch 18 points in 31 games and is currently on point per game pace in the playoffs. So things are starting to look up for him as well. Also, another Detroit pick, Liam Dower Nielsen, had a strong showing in the playoffs with five points from seven games. And his regular season wasn't a complete disaster either, so Wings picks are starting to slowly heat up across the pond by the looks of it. In addition, Alsdi and prospect Kaleo Delius racked up good minutes on the Ugodes backline and showcased his responsible two-way game on the nation's second tier. And same goes with Boston's blue line prospect Jonathan Murenberry, who racked up just one point more than Delius, so 12 in total, but continued to develop his game this year. Meanwhile, Jonathan Lekkerimäki's season wasn't a total disappointment, although injuries took some air out of his inflatable boat in the midst of the season, but in two playoff games he's been able to stretch the goal netting twice and they are still in the race for promotion, so there's no better time to start finding the back of the net than in the playoffs. St. Louis' Simon Robertson also found a new gear to his game from the Oswenskan, and he finished the season with 7 points from 15 games while playing on loan for Västerås. And on the goalie front, as some would probably guess, Sweden's standout netminder Garl Lindbaum had a fantastic season, with 0.930 save percentage and 1.86 goals against average from 36 games. And like Lekkermäki, he's still playing for the promotion, and from the 4 games he has played, he has racked up a decent... 0.943 save percentage and 1.25 goals against average, so needless to say that bigger circles are ahead of him once his current season in Sweden is in the books. He could maybe try to get a spot in North America already, or the other option would be to hone out this game even more in the Swedish first year before jumping to North America, but regardless, I'm fully on board in the Lindbaum train. And I'm excited to see if he's able to have even a marginally similar start in the North American leagues as his fellow countryman Jesper Wallstead has had to this point. But that is going to be the representative bunch from the Alsvenskan and next we will head to Sweden's first year at the SHL to see which names have started to raise their values during the later part of the 22-23 campaign. When we entered the Swedish first year, you can clearly notice the drop in points department compared to the other two leagues, and rightfully so, but that doesn't certainly mean that these guys wouldn't have performed since the league is widely regarded as the best European league as a whole. And yes, the NLA might feature some big-time names, but the overall level of all four lines is just much better in the SHL in my opinion, and therefore, I will stand with the first statement. But when it comes to the top performers, point-wise the top names are Detroit's recently signed William Wallinder and their last summer's top name Marco Kasper, Phillies Blue Line prospect Emil Andre, Vancouver's DN name Philip Johansson, San Jose's first-round pick Philip Bysted, 
and Rangersman Mountain Adam Edström. All guys with over 18 points to their name. After those guys, names such as Axel Bergqvist, Joel Nyström, Emil Heinemann, Anton Olsson, Elias Pedersen, and especially duo of Adam Engström and Lucas Forsell jumps out due to their great performances in the playoffs, but for the most part, those were the really noticeable names within this bunch of future top players. Wallinder is going to be a stud on the next level, I can already guarantee you that Enrossi is becoming the public enemy number one inside the ring while filling the boots of a next-generation power forward player. So, you know, brother, I'm really starting to warm up to the Red Wing squad more and more. Andre has taken huge steps in his development during the past two seasons, and his last year's U20 tournament just concreted the fact that you shouldn't let him go unnoticed because he has been delivering on every level he has played so far. And the trend has continued in North America as well, because in two games for the Lehigh Valley, he has posted two assists, so the expectations are growing on his part, which is really great to see, because he was one of my sleeper picks from the 2020 draft class. Vancouver's Philip Johansson has as well dragged his numbers up from years prior, and has already four points from six games in the playoffs, which might make few Wild fans jealous because their front office let him walk for free last summer. Meanwhile, Sharks prospect Philip Bysted has kept this strong form from the U20s and is looking more and more like a home run middle six forward for the future Sark squad. On the goalie front, Dennis Hildeby's surprise surprise is the name that stands out with 0.918 save percentage and 2.26 goals against average. And at this point, it is just a matter of time once he makes the jump to the Marlies. But also Anaheim's Kelly Klang and Canadian's goalie prospect Frederick Dishow were not complete faucets either this year, so small tick taps should go to their way as well. But that will be the top end package from Sweden, and next we will quickly go over the rest of the European leagues, meaning the Swiss National League, Czech Extra Liga, and also the German DEL. In Switzerland, pretty much the only notable already drafted name is Brett's prospect Simon Nock who amounted a 23-point total from 50 games and this way improved his last year's total by 12 points, which is more than what he had last year with Davos. And as we make our way to Czechia, the same trend continues where the only noteworthy name scoring-wise is Canucks pick Karl Plasek, who ended the season with 15 points from 31 games. But from the DEL, we get some light to the equation as we witness a completely dominant performance from Carolina's 2018 first-round pick Dominic Bach, who ends the season as the 13th highest-scoring name in the league with 49-point total from 43 games. He's becoming an RFA this summer, so after this year, I would be really surprised if the Canes let him walk, even though he hasn't been able to transfer that offense to North America, but while looking at the stats, now could just be the perfect time to test his level one more time because there's no doubt about his skill set. So we'll see what his future holds, but certainly this should bring a lot of expectations for his new chapter across the big pond. Arizona's Maximilian Zuber had a decent showing on Red Bull Munchen's backline, and Kings goalie prospect Juha Markkanen dressed in 18 games for the ace Baron Berlin 
with 0.894 save percentage, so not a terrible start for him in Germany either, although those numbers could be dragged up quite a bit if he aims to take the starting job on the first level. Julian Lutz was only able to dress in 26 games again this year, so the injuries don't seem to let him be, which will be a major blowback for the Yotes who drafted him on the second round in last year's entry draft. And finally, before we move to Russia, I have to give a small shout-out to Rangers second-round pick Adam Sikora, who is about to make his debut with their farm team Hartford Wolfpack. Just in 38 games in the Slovakian first year, he was able to register 8 goals and 13 assists, so as an undersized forward, that's a decent total and because of it, I'm very much looking forward to seeing him skate on the North American ice with tougher competition. And just before we head across the big ocean, we will quickly touch upon the Russian prospects playing in the KHL so that I don't happen to miss them and I know that it might be a bit controversial, but you always have to remember that those guys are not the ones deciding the action and they might end up in North America at some point, so I think it would be wise to check some of them out as well, because there are few names that could become real difference makers in the NHL one day if they end up leaving their home nation. So the KHL's leading point getters currently under the NHL umbrella are Carolina's blue line prospect Alexander Nikishin, who looks poised for the NHL action after recording 55 points in 65 games. And same goes with Avs prospect Nikolai Kovalenko, who has taken another huge step in his development and ended his regular season with a brilliant point total of 54 in 56 games. Minnesota second-round pick Marat Kuznetinov also flashed his offensive talents by putting up 41 dots in 63 games. Meanwhile, the last player to reach the 40-point mark this year ends up being New Jersey's 2019 fifth-round pick Arzeni Gritsiuk. In addition to those guys, Chicago's Ilya Safanov, Winnipeg's Dmitry Rashevsky, Columbus's Dmitry Varankov, and Minnesota's Vladislav Firstov were the notable names that reached a half a point per game mark. Meanwhile, Sharks prospect Shakir Mugamadoulin shined with his defensive game and reached the 25-point mark within 67 games. And high-end prospects such as Danila Yurov, Prokhor Poltapov, Ivan Miroshnichenko, Fyodor Svechkov, Alexander Perevalov, Kirill Kirzanov, Nikita Chiprikov, Kleb Trigesov, and Kirill Dolchenkov ripped the lower leagues apart with their scoring, but failed to make a real impact in the KHL due to low minutes on the top level. On the blue paint, the only notable individual with more than 10 games to his name ended up being Phyllis goalie prospect Alexei Kolosov, who recorded a .912 save percentage and 2.55 goals against average in 42 games. While guys like Columbus's Sergei Ivanov and Pittsburgh's Sergei Murashov were the top names on the junior level, and got their taste of KHL action during the regular season, but spent the majority of their year in the lower leagues. So in Russia as well, the top-end prospects kept growing their game, and maybe one or two of those names decide to make their jump to North America this year, and we get to see their level against the competition that they are going to face when they make their move towards the NHL. But that will wrap up the European continent and next we will head across the Atlantic Ocean where we will go through the same leagues as in our previous walkthrough. So 
the Canadian Junior Leagues, USHL and the NCAA will be on the table next. So if need be, go get yourself a drink and some snacks because we still have plenty of stats to go through. And I don't want you to miss any of them. So get some carbs in your system and hydrate yourself a bit before we jump to the last portion of our this week's episode. Okay, you're good now. Excellent. Then let's get to it. The WHL is where we are going to start. And first, I need to point out the fact that the 2023 first overall pick, Connor Bedard, took the league title in scoring with a mesmerizing total of 143 points in 57 games, which didn't even break any records thanks to the 80s when they scored approximately 190 points on almost a regular basis. But when it comes to already drafted names, Logan Stankoven took the podium with over 2 points per game pace as he cruised to 97 points in 48 games. Meanwhile, Buffalo's Matthew Savoie reached the 90-point mark as well. Meanwhile, Seattle's Jagger Fergus, Washington's Alexander Suzdalev, Minnesota's recently signed Caden Bankier, Montreal's Jared Davidson, Dallas's Matthew Seminoff and Anaheim's blue line prospect Olin Zellweger all reached 80 points with easy fashion. Seminoff, Davidson and Zuzdala were probably names that were not expected to be as high in the rankings before the season, but it's clear that Bedard boosted Zuzdala's numbers quite massively, while Seminoff benefited from playing with Stankoven. And even Davidson gained few dots from playing alongside Dylan Genther and Brad Lambert, who finished the year above point-per-game average after being assigned back to the WHL in the midst of the regular season. On the blue line, like I mentioned, Olin Selweger was the top dog, but also Blue Jackets prospect Stanislav Wozel and Chicago's Kevin Karczynski had outstanding seasons, with plus 1.3 point-per-game averages. Meanwhile, the other notable names with great point totals include Winnipeg's Jess Lucis, who struggled with injuries this year again, but ended it with 15 points in six games. Rangers third-round selection Ryder Korzak also continued where he left off last year and finished the year with 69 points in 48 games. Ottawa's Zach Ostapchuk was able to reach 67 points, while high draft picks such as Min, Geeky, Doc, Schaefer, and Matejuk all ended their regular seasons with above point-per-game average. In addition to those guys, I have to give a small shout-out to Phillies Blue Line prospect Ethan Sampson, because he really took a big step this year offensively and looks more and more like a future top-six defenseman on the next level. Of course, if he keeps elevating his game like he did this year with Prince George. Goalie-wise, Golden Knights prospect Jesper Wiegmann was the standout with 0.903 save percentage from 45 games. While Devils goalie prospect Tyler Brennan and Rangers Stalin Boyko both finished the year with sub-900 save percentages, which is fairly decent in a league with very high scoring numbers. But that's about it when it comes to top names from the WHL. This year in the O, we had quite a few guys that had stellar seasons with over 1.5 point per game average. And those names were Isles last summer fifth-round pick Matthew Maggio, who finished the year as the top point-getter in the league with 111 points from 66 games. 
Toronto's undersized forward Ty Boyd, who was snubbed from the USU 20 team last winter, was the second highest scorer with 505 dots from 67 games, while Detroit's fourth round pick Amadeus Lombardi was the last guy to pass the 100 point mark, which could indicate that the Wings could have grabbed a real steal from the fourth round if he keeps developing beyond this season. Boston's second round pick Matthew Poitras had 95 in 63. Anaheim says the best Dujov continued to impress and racked up a 98-point total from 60 games, and the last guy to reach the 1.5-point-per-game average within 60 or so games was LA's Francesco Pinelli with a 90-point total from exactly 60 regular season games. On top of those guys, we also have two studs who were assigned back to juniors in the midst of the NHL season who were LA's defenseman Brent Clark, who was just unstoppable for Barry, with 61 dots from 31 games. While the other guy needing the praise is Seattle's first-rounder, Shane Wright, who put up 37 points in 20 regular season games for the Windsor Spitfires. And these guys really didn't come there to play around, and this just amplifies my previous point, where these types of guys should just be eligible for AHL hockey because numbers speak for themselves and I'm 100% sure that these guys would have benefited more from pro hockey than to just toy with the guys of that same age class. Like you gotta understand that these guys spend some time in the NHL and are levels beyond most of the players in the junior league so what benefits they get from dominating the league with arguably lower effort. I'm sure that I'm not the only one thinking this way, but regardless, that was just something that I wanted to point out when we were in the topic. And although those guys mentioned earlier ran the league in points, it doesn't mean that others wouldn't have had impressive seasons, and therefore, there's still few names that deserve some honors before we check out if the attendees have some sunburn from the goal lights, because these guys certainly made sure to make it rain on that front. The other names from the blue line that deserve some credit are Anaheim's Pavel Minchukov, who had another monster season with 88-point total from 69 games, Dallas's newly signed Christian Cairo with 77-point total from 64 games, Seattle's Ty Nelson, who amped up his scoring even more and finished the year with 76 points from 67 games. Chicago's Ethan Del Mastro also raced to the over point per game group with 59 point total from 52 games. And the final name within that bunch ends up being St. Louis's last summer's third round pick, Michael Butchinger, with 67 dots from 61 games. Honorable mentions will go to Winnipeg's Dimitri Guzman, Montreal's Logan Mayu, Nashville's Jack Maytier, and Ottawa's Jorian Donovan, who just missed the point-per-game average by few points. San Jose's Ethan Cartwell, Edmonton's Matvey Petrov, Seattle's Tucker Robertson and Kyle Jackson, Columbus's Luca Del Belbelus, Dallas's Francesco Arcuri, Chicago's Kevin Hayes, Boston's Brett Harrison, Vancouver's Connor Lockhart, and finally, Rangers' first-round selection, Brendan Othman, all had over 1.2 points per game average, and thus will be the last inductees to my honorary great season club from the OHL. 
And truly, if I wanted to go through each guy's stats, I would just cleanly make a separate episode for each major junior league, to be real. But since I put my eggs in one basket, we are just going to point out the guys that were above the rest when it comes to individual performances on the league-wide level. And just to create some contrast, I have to mention that the only major so-called disappointments point-wise when compared to the others this year were Devils' first-round selection, Jay Stillman, who ended the year with 48 points from 59 games and especially when playing for a team that finished second in their division, this wasn't something that I was expecting out of him. And same goes with Chicago's Paul Edwinski, who just signed his ELC because he was only able to tuck home 34 points from 47 games. And although for a responsible two-way player, that isn't totally horrible total for a second-round pick with ambitions to find a spot from their top three lines on the next level is a bit concerning, so we just have to see what he's able to do in the AHL in the remaining games of the regular season. In the blue paint, the top name ended up being Winnipeg's seventh-round selection, Dominic Divisentis, who racked up impressive 0.919 save percentage and 2.33 goals against average in 48 games. Meanwhile, rest of the names, Gaudreau, Shigalov, Lennox, and Cranley posted below 0.890 0.890 save percentages, so clearly his numbers jump out and there's a lot to hope for when it comes to the rest of the names on this list. But those were pretty much all the real standouts from the OHL and next we will move on to our last Canadian Junior League, the Q, to see which guys have ripped the league to shreds when it comes to point production. In the queue, once again the top separated itself from the rest just like in the OHL and here the real point machines ended up being Jackets prospect Jordan Dumay with enormous 100 point total from 64 games. And all you math nerds out there, it's a 2.19 point per game average, so at this point it's undeniable that the kid has real skills and can put up points, but Will that translate to professional ice is a question we still need an answer to. St. Louis's first-rounder Zachary Bolduc and Montreal's Riley Kidney also belong to the plus 100-point club with 110 points. Meanwhile, the duo of Seattle's Jacob Melanson and Habs prospect Joshua Waugh just missed the 100 mark by one point, but end up averaging above 1.6 points per game this year in the queue. Anaheim's Tristan Luneau finishes the season as the top blue line producer with 83 dots from 65 games, which is fantastic news for the Ducks since they already got pretty promising blue liners on their pipeline. Guys like Grisdale, Selwager, Minchukov and Lacombe on top of a few others. So, Although they might have missed their chance on landing Connor Bedard, their prospect pipeline still looks stacked and the guys are delivering on all fronts. So... Their ship's heading should start to change in a few years once these studs start to make their impacts on the next level. St. Louis's Zach Dean, Buffalo's Oliver Nadeau, Phyllis Alexis Gendron, Nashville's Zachary LaRue, Carolina's Justin Robidash, Vegas's Jago Brabenek, Anaheim's Nathan Gaucher and Columbus's James Malatesta also finished the year with above point-per-game numbers and thus earned the honorary mentions from the French-speaking province. 
Boston's DM prospect Frederick Brunet really took off this year offensively and finished the season with 73 points in 66 games and is starting to grab hold of a possible gem status if this is his level also going forward. Minnesota's newly signed blue liner David Spasek also racked up a decent point total of 57 points from 58 games with Sherbrooke. While the final shoutouts will go to defensive prospects Tyson Hintz and Marc-Andre Godet, who just missed the point per game mark by a few points. But still both guys have really increased their value, and especially Hintz is looking more and more like a future top 6 defenseman, with the way his two-way game has developed throughout the past few seasons. Only notable goalie in the queue is Carolina's prospect Patrick Hamarla, who had a decent season with Rimouski with 0.894 save percentage and 2.82 goals against average, but as you could probably expect, those are numbers that could use some honing and therefore we will just leave it at that and close the book when it comes to Canadian junior leagues. So solid seasons for those guys as well and expect to see some of these guys signing their ELCs once the playoff action starts to pick up and teams start to fall out. But now it is time to head to the last nation of this week's show, the United States, where the last remaining leagues will be the USHL and the main attraction, the NCAA. So let's start heading there. The USHL is mostly crowded with the upcoming 2023 and even 2024 draft eligible names such as Macklin Celebrini, who took the scoring title with 77 points from 46 games, Jaden Perron, William Whitelaw, Gabe Perot, Will Smith, and the rest of the USNTDP squad, as you could probably imagine. But from the drafted prospect side, the most impressive ones this year ended up being Maple Leafs pick Nicolas Moldenauer, who finished the year with 60 points from 47 games. Islanders third-round selection Quinn Finley with 56 point total from 47 games. Buffalo's late-round selection Jake Richard with 54 in 49. And finally, our Finnish representative Arizona's Miko Matikka with 49 points from 50 regular season games. Also, Vancouver's Damon Gardner registered himself a nice total of 37 points in the same amount of games. But since he ended up missing a big bunch of games this year due to an early season injury, he couldn't reach the league leaders in points. But still, his point per game total is nothing to be made fun of. And next year he gets to showcase his skills in the NCAA level with the Clarkson. So the next season will very likely be the more telling when it comes to his future projection than what this past injury riddle season was for him. Alongside those guys, late-round picks such as Shane Lassange, Barrett Hall, Owen Mellenbacher, Alex Bump, and Brennan Ali were close to the point-per-game pace, and especially, it was good to see some progress from Chicago's last summer's first-round pick, Sam Rizel, who currently has 32 points in 49 games from the blue line, and he's starting to look more ready to step into the NCAA level next year with the University of Minnesota. Goalie-wise, Canadian's prospect Emmett Courteau has impressed with .915 save percentage with the Waterloo Blackhawks. Meanwhile, his competitor, Vegas goalie prospect Cameron Whitehead, sits right behind him with .905 save percentage. So these Canadian attendees look to carry these numbers to the NCAA level where they will be tested next year against the best players of the league. 
But that pretty much covers the USHL. Like I said, we will come back to this league once we go over the 2023 draft class. And now it is time for the last league of this week's episode, the NCAA, where we've seen quite massive improvements and impressive seasons as a whole when looking at the already drafted prospect group. And first and foremost, I need to point out the season that one of the top 2023 eligible prospects, Adam Fantilli, just had kiss. He won the league scoring title with 64 points in 35 games for the University of Michigan. Only player who's been able to reach similar numbers in his first year of draft eligibility is Paul Correa back in 1993, and that's it. Jack Eichel put up 71 points in 40 contests, which is just a decimal behind Fantilli, so if you want, you can put him in that category as well, but to put it simply, he had absolutely fantastic first year in college. Behind him, we got Arizona's first-round pick Logan Cooley, who finished the year with 57 points from 37 games and looks like a stud for the Yotes for years to come. Meanwhile, the plus 50 club is closed by Montreal's newly signed forward Sean Farrell with 53 in 34 and St. Louis's first-round selection Jimmy Snuggerud with 50 in 38. So although Snuggerud ended up dropping in last year's draft rankings, he certainly starts to look more ready for NHL action than many others from the draft class. Meanwhile, Farrell ends his collegiate career with back-to-back over point-per-game seasons, so it will be interesting to see if his production will translate to the professional ice as well. Defensively, the clear-cut leaders of this year's bunch were New Jersey's Luke Hughes, who was just an animal yet again, and the previously mentioned Canadians prospect Lane Hudson, who both missed the 50-point mark by just few points, but averaged over 1.2 points per game with BU and the University of Michigan. Hughes will join the Devil squad once his season comes to its conclusion in the Frozen Four. Meanwhile, Hudson could spend another year in college due to his smaller stature, but I might be completely wrong and the Habs end up signing him after BU finalizes their season. And in addition to those guys, Carolina's duo of Massimo Rizzo and Jackson Blake finished the year as they started, aka over point per game, same as LA's third-round selection Alexis Laferriere, who racked up 42 dots from 34 games. Florida's Mackie Samoskevich also found the back of the net more than a couple of times this year and finished the regular season with 43 points to his name. Detroit's Robert Mastro-Simone benefited from eight games of scenery as he registered 42 dots from 38 games for the Arizona State. Meanwhile, Toronto's Matthew Nees solidified his spot as one of the more highly touted Leafs prospects in their system by notching 41 points in 38 games for the University of Minnesota. Islanders pick Alex Jeffries, Ottawa Stephen Holiday, Phyllis Cutter Gauthier, Vancouver's Ada McDonough, Calgary's Matt Coronado, Dallas's Artem Martino, Winnipeg's Rutger McCrory, Carolina's Chris Lucis. Arizona's John Farinacci and Sam Lipkin, plus Chicago's third-round pick Aiden Thompson all reached the point-per-game mark and thus belong to the elite group of players to accomplish that within this year's NCAA campaign. 
And I might add that some of these guys just played their first seasons in the collegiate level, which makes it that much more impressive. And like I said, the Ducks back end is coming up really nicely since, as you probably noticed, only three defensemen were able to break the point per game mark. And one of them ended up being Ducks prospect Jackson Lacombe. So you really shouldn't sleep on this franchise if you don't want to be surprised in one to three years once these guys start to break out of their cages in the bright lights. In addition to those guys, honorable mentions will go to Chicago's third-round pick, Jake Wise, with 39-point total. Arizona's Josh Doan with 38 dots from 39 games. Detroit's Carter Mazur, who finished the year with 37 points from 40 games. Anaheim's recent signing Nikita Nesterenko with 34 in 36. Toronto's Vetimiettinen with 36 in 41. Tampa's Dylan Duke with 32 point total, plus Chicago's Ryan Green, who had a great freshman season with the BU with 31 points in 37 games. And just so that I wouldn't forget the defensive prospects, I also need to give shoutouts to Boston's Mason Laurie, who finished the year with 32 points from 40 games. Carolina's right-handed blue liner Scott Morrow and San Jose's newly signed Henry Thrun, who both finished the year with 31 points. Plus Carolina's Dominic Fenzor, New Jersey's undersized offensive blue liner Seamus Casey, and Minnesota's Brock Faber, who reached 25 points this year and had an outstanding year defensively as many already could expect at this stage of his hockey career. Casey is really starting to earn some praise due to his great offensive game, and Faber is slowly starting to creep towards Wild's blue line, so there certainly are some pretty high-status blue liners coming up from the NCAA without questions, and I'm expecting even more names to really break out next year once they've taken another offseason to hone out their game even more. The only notable disappointments point-wise this year were LA Kings' prospect Jack Hughes, who was only able to notch 16 points from 32 games and ended the year with cold minus 14 on his plus-minus column. Also, Tampa's first-round pick Isaac Howard really couldn't find his scoring touch and finished the year with 17 points to his name from 35 games and a minus 13 total. Washington's second-round choice defenseman Ryan Chesley's point total was also a bit underwhelming, so expectations should be higher for him as well once the next season rolls around. Meanwhile, Chicago's first-round pick Frank Nazar was sidelined for most of the season due to an injury, but still, he was able to record 7 points in 12 games, so it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being one of the names that makes a statement next year once he gets a full summer of training under his belt. And finally, it was also good to see that Phyllis third-round pick Devin Kaplan was able to drag up his scoring numbers after a slow start, and he ended up finishing the year with 23 dots to his name from 39 games. On the blue paint, the standout was, surprise surprise, Devon Levi, who racked up amazing .933 save percentage and 2.24 goals against average in 34 games for the Northeastern. While his competitors, Montreal's Jakub Dobes and San Jose's Magnus Rona, both recorded above 0.915 save percentages and were the top names this year, without forgetting the tremendous years of Chicago's Drew Comesso and Detroit's Carter Gillander, 
who both posted above 0.910 save percentages this year. So all in all, tremendous results from many youngsters and due to them, you shouldn't be surprised if a handful of these names make their way to opening night rosters once the new NHL season kicks off next fall. But once again, I need to point out the fact that these guys that earned mentions in this episode were just the clear standouts and, for example, in the NCAA, we had a ton of guys that had successful seasons and also some of the players are just more defensively oriented so their point totals won't stand out regardless of the level they are playing in. And I tried to point out those types of players as well but as you can probably guess that process is a bit more challenging than to just point out guys that put up impressive numbers so hopefully I didn't end up missing too many names that should have belonged to this episode but if I did Please point them out to me so that I can do my due diligence and go a bit deeper into what I had left unnoticed. But with that said, we are pretty much done with this week's episode. Lots of impressive point totals and major development across the board. So for the most part, I can say that at least the high-end prospects are delivering as they should. And if not, they still have plenty of time to change that. So. We will give them some time and hope that things work out like the front offices do across the NHL. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said, we will go over the AHL and the NHL rookie classes in a later episode. But if you have any suggestions regarding future episodes, please bring them up to my attention because I would love to hear what topics you guys would like me to cover. So do not hesitate to leave feedback or suggestions because. I'm all for them. But that is going to be it for this week. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to check out the media handles from the description. And remember to leave a rating for the podcast if you've enjoyed the content. Or if you haven't, it wouldn't surprise me, but I would still challenge you to press the 5-star icon because I'm pretty sure you wouldn't dare to do it. I hope you enjoyed Come back next week for another episode of NHL Talk. And on top of all else, have an awesome week, you beauty. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. All right.